With a relentless focus on excellence in healthcare, Pullman Regional Hospital presents the Health Podcast. Each year, more than half a million American women have a hysterectomy. If you're thinking about having the procedure, having questions is normal and the best way to be your own best health advocate. My guest is Dr. Nigel Campbell. He's an obstetrician gynecologist at Moscow Pullman, OBGYN, and a member of the Pullman Regional Hospital medical staff. Dr. Campbell, women have heard this term, hysterectomy. They don't know exactly what it entails or what it means or why they should even have one. So tell us what a hysterectomy is and what conditions might necessitate this procedure. Yeah, so to answer the first question first, when we say the word hysterectomy, what we are talking about is removal of the uterus itself, the body of the uterus. Um, uh, the uterus, of course, the part of the woman's body that, that carries a baby if she's, if she's pregnant. Um, and uh, there are other words that we sometimes attach to hysterectomy uh, that indicate removing more than just the uterus. But when we say hysterectomy, referring to just removal of the uterus itself. In terms of conditions that might cause a woman to uh, choose to have a hysterectomy, there are essentially four main ones uh, that, uh, that bring most of our patients to choose to have a hysterectomy when they decide to do so. Um, the first one is, uh, is abnormal bleeding. Um, uh, and so uh, a woman who's had uh, problematic bleeding, either heavy bleeding during her period or uh, heavy bleeding uh, between periods, um, something that's very problematic to her and disruptive uh, to her life, and um, something that, that we've not been able to control in another fashion. Uh, those women, um, uh, those are women who are candidates for a hysterectomy. Um, the second reason that uh, that we frequently do it, and it kind of goes hand in hand with um, with the heavy bleeding, are uterine fibroids. Now, uterine fibroids are a benign muscle growth on the, the uh, inside the uterus. They're tough balls of, of muscle cells. And they, too, can cause um, some discomfort, some pressure, uh, some symptoms inside the abdomen. They also can cause trouble with heavy bleeding. They also form a large proportion of the, the hysterectomies that we do. Um, another uh, large portion of the hysterectomies that we do, uh, we do for pelvic pain. And so uh, women who develop um, uh, pain related to their cycle uh, uh, or pain, uh, pain in the pelvis related to, uh, related to the uterus. Um, again, after usually attempting other methods to control the pain, um, uh, some of those women will choose to have a hysterectomy to relieve their symptoms. Uh, and then last of all, uh, in terms of reasons that, that we would perform a hysterectomy locally is, is prolapse. And so when uterus um, is uh, falling downward and coming a little ways, uh, coming out of the vagina, causing trouble when a woman's trying to do uh, her daily activities and, and uh, 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 the sorts of things that, that she's wanting to do. Uh, we do uh, frequently do a hysterectomy together with a, a, a vaginal repair at the same time to uh, restore her normal function. Dr. Campbell, are there alternatives to hysterectomy? You mentioned total hysterectomy, what organs that you're dealing with. But in other words, are there some conditions which might indicate a hysterectomy, but may not be urgent or even medically necessary? You mentioned if it's affecting a woman's quality of life. How do you determine that and what might some of those alternatives be? Yeah. um, So uh, the biggest thing that I tell all of my patients is we we love doing surgery. That's why we, we got into this profession, but no one should have surgery 
um, unless it really makes sense, uh, it makes a, a lot of sense for them to do so because there are some risks that go along with it. And so things that are frequently tried in a lead up to a hysterectomy uh, are uh, primarily hormones uh, delivered in some fashion or if the, the um, if, if a woman's primary symptoms are related to pain, sometimes uh, pain medication to go along with, with hormones. And so, for example, if a woman's having trouble with heavy bleeding, we frequently will start uh, with trying to control that bleeding using estrogen, estrogen and progesterone in some form uh, uh, to help them out with that. Um, uh, if our hormones fail, um, uh, in cases of heavy bleeding, we also... Uh, sometimes utilize a, a uh, procedure called an endometrial ablation, which is where we use uh, microwave energy to destroy the lining of the uterus. Again, a procedure that, that um, uh, makes it so we don't have to proceed all the way forward uh, with, a, uh, with a full hysterectomy. Um, uh, with, uh, with regard to the um, uh, pelvic pain, the same way as bleeding, uh, we frequently have some success with administering hormones to control uh, pain and discomfort, and and most women with heavy bleeding or with with uh, pelvic pain um, actually do not have a hysterectomy. We're able to control it with other methods. Let's talk about the procedure itself. Are there different kinds of hysterectomy surgery, and how are they performed? Is there an advantage to the different methods, laparoscopic, robotic assisted? Just give us a little overview of the actual procedure. Yeah, the, that's the the most common question that we get asked, um, and so. For many years, the two options for doing hysterectomy were vaginal or, or, or abdominal. Um, and so vaginal hysterectomy is when the only incision that is made is made inside the vagina. It's made around the cervix. And then we proceed to, to clamp and tie off the different attachments to the uterus and remove the uterus completely through the vagina. So the only incision is inside the vagina. At the end of the case, we, we um, sew up that incision. Um, abdominal hysterectomy, um, for a case for... Uh, hysterectomies that cannot be performed vaginally, either because the uterus is too big um, or because, uh, uh, because of some other reasons that would make it more challenging. Um, abdominal hysterectomy is where we make an incision in the abdomen uh, in, in a similar spot to where a C-section incision might be. And again, we, uh, we uh, clamp and tie off the attachments to the uterus and remove the uterus through the abdomen and again, sew up the top of the vagina. Uh, in more recent years, um, uh, the uh, laparoscopic hysterectomies have, have uh, grown in popularity. It's, it's uh, where we make uh, usually three small incisions in the abdomen, one in the belly button and two down to either side, and then, uh, again, remove the attachments to uh, the uterus, uh, seal off the blood vessels that go to the uterus, and then we, using our laparoscopic instruments, make an incision at the top of the vagina and then remove the uterus through the vagina. And so what you're left with is uh, three little incisions on your abdomen and then uh, the incision, uh, again, at the top of the vagina that we've sewn up. An adjunct to the laparoscopic hysterectomy and what we perform at, at uh, Pullman Regional Hospital is the uh, robotic-assisted hysterectomy. And that is where um, uh, we, again, make three little incisions in the abdomen. We, uh, we set up a, a, uh, the da Vinci robot next to the patient, and then we enter a console and complete the remainder of the, of the uh, hysterectomy using laparoscopic instruments with the assist of uh, the da Vinci robot. Um, it's a little uh, troublesome over a, a, a podcast to go through all the details of, of how that's performed, but essentially it enables us with very large uh, uh, uteri or, or complex hysterectomies to, again, perform the uh, surgery in a minimally invasive fashion. 
What should a woman expect after having a hysterectomy? What is it like? Do they then go through menopause? Do some of the symptoms, they're not quite as severe? I mean, what's that like for a woman after the fact? Yeah, um, so that's probably the second most common question that I get on a routine basis. Um, The biggest thing that I tell all of my patients, doctors are very good about listing out all of the um, uh, complications that can happen, and that's important to understand those. But the biggest thing you need to that I want all my patients to understand about a hysterectomy is about 96% of women are very satisfied with the results after the fact. It's a surgery that um, that really has the opportunity to improve the quality of life in many ways um, uh, for our patients. And so, um, again, a big question that always gets asked is, will this put me into menopause? And the answer is, in almost every case, that it will not. Um, so when we remove the uterus, uh, when we perform a hysterectomy, we almost always leave the ovaries behind unless there's a compelling reason to remove them. And the ovaries are what supply the hormones to your body. And so we remove the uterus that has caused the, the problems either with pain or with uh, fibroids or with the heavy bleeding, but we leave behind the ovaries that are providing the hormones that benefit your heart, that benefit your bone health, um, that that help mood and those sorts of things. Um, it is important to know that there are uh, studies that show that a hysterectomy will decrease what we call a woman's ovarian reserve. And there are some studies that show women may uh, go through menopause at a slightly younger age after a hysterectomy, even when we've left the ovaries behind. Uh, but again, even with that, the the improvement in their, their life and the, the uh, symptoms that they were looking to get rid of is significant enough that those women are, again, very, very satisfied that they've uh, chosen to undergo hysterectomy. Um, all of the other the other things that women will talk about in terms of um, uh, pain, um, uh, uh, discomfort after the procedure, those sorts of things, uh, given enough time to heal, all of these things appear to improve uh, uh, significantly. What about risk for cancer, doctor? Is after a hysterectomy, does that decrease? I mean, obviously, if you've left the ovaries, that's still there. What does the yearly exam look like if there are different parts that are not there anymore? You know, explain a little bit about now what you want women to think about yeah. going forward as far as their risks. Yeah, it's a great question. So the um, once your uterus and cervix have been removed at the time of hysterectomy, unless the hysterectomy was done for an abnormal pap smear, you are done having pap smears for the rest of your life. And so that's the last pap smear that you will need. Now, we're very quick to point out that pap smear is not the same as an annual exam. We do still encourage women to have annual exams, but you don't receive a pap smear at that exam. Um, because we're leaving the ovaries behind, a woman is still at risk of uh, ovarian cancer. Although, uh, at the time of hysterectomy, uh, over the past several years, I and, and uh, many other um, gynecologists are removing the fallopian tubes at the time of hysterectomy. Recent uh, evidence uh, shows that, uh, that it is likely that by removing the fallopian tubes, we are decreasing a woman's risk of ovarian cancer as well. And so uh, you do still have the, the, um, a very small lifetime risk of ovarian cancer if we leave the ovaries behind. Uh, but with the fallopian tubes gone, that risk has probably decreased, and you have no possibility in the future of having uh, cervical or, uh, or uterine cancer. Um, lots of my patients are thrilled to hear that, again, at the time of hysterectomy, 
um, you have had the last pap smear that you will ever have in your life. Wrap it up for us then with your best advice about women making this decision with their physician, what you really want them to know about the success of hysterectomy and how many women it has helped to overcome some of these conditions you've described today. Yeah, the final words that that, uh, I would say about that, um, for many women, um, there are a lot of good options that that do stop short of of hysterectomy, and I would be the first to advocate the... um, the, uh, the the simplest approach first, the least invasive approach first. Um, with that said, um, over the course of the last 11 years that I've been doing hysterectomies, I've not had a patient yet that has returned to me, said that they wished that they had not had a hysterectomy. Um, for the women that reach that point, um, that have had uh, debilitating symptoms that have really brought them down, that have affected their quality of life, um, the improvement uh, after a hysterectomy, when, when a woman has come to that decision together with her doctor and they both decided it's the most appropriate thing, um, the improvement is typically dramatic. Um, these visits that I have with my patients after hysterectomies are usually the very best part of my day. Um, it's it's uh, women who we have solved a tremendous problem. Um, uh, there was one recently who uh, I just saw her a couple of years after she and I had met, after she'd been working with a, a string of physicians first words out of her mouth where you gave me my life back. And, and that, uh, again, for many women, uh, the chance to solve so many troubles with the hysterectomy is, is uh, quite a dramatic thing. Wow, what a fascinating segment. Thank you so much, Dr. Campbell, for explaining this so clearly to us and for sharing your expertise today. You're listening to The Health Podcast with Pullman Regional Hospital. For more information and to learn more about this subject, providers and services at Pullman Regional Hospital, please visit PullmanRegional.org. That's PullmanRegional.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.